And now on the Business Radio X Network, another exciting episode with Jamie Overturf in Connecting Tucson with Jamie. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Connecting Tucson with Jamie Overturf, where we focus on connecting our community and local businesses. Today, we're going to switch it up just a bit, but I assure you that you will not want to miss this podcast. Today in the Stuart Title Studios, I have Danelle Hogan, who is the director of Stamazing Project here in Pima County. Today we will be discussing this amazing product. Did you see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and get to know a little bit about her um, and about how the community can help as well. So welcome, Danelle. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So I'm actually just going to tell our guests and listeners just a little bit about you so they can know who you are. You had to give me some challenging words, but I think I I can uh, get them here. (laughs) So throughout her career, Danelle has had many STEM adventures from a couple of visits to the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, working with teachers as a STEM school in Egypt, performing an experiment on the zero gravity plane, visiting a nuclear power plant in Japan, traveling 90 meters underground to see the compact muon solenoid detector at the large hadron 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 glider that's right collider at the swiss french border and you recently traveled to both liberia and honduras to work with educators she's also guiding the development and implementation of this amazing teacher leader program which is empowering pre-k through eighth grade educators to learn from the classroom with a reach beyond their own learning spaces Wow. (laughs) It sounds exhausting even when you read it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even think we are touching that tip of the iceberg there. Am I correct? Yeah, there's still more. There's still so more, and I'm sure we're going to unpeel that onion as we keep going. (laughs) But thank you so much for coming on and helping us learn a little bit more about what we can do to help our teachers here locally and maybe get a shout out for some of the projects that you're participating in here. So first off, I just have to ask, do you ever sleep? I do, actually. (laughs) I do sleep, although I do work a lot. But what I like to explain to people is uh, I have a job that I really love, right? So it doesn't always feel like work. Sometimes it does. Uh, And so I think it's easy to give more of your time when you're doing something that you really love and you can see that it's having a massive impact. So it doesn't feel like work all the time. (laughs) All the time. So it's safe to say you're passionate about that. So um, it's also safe to say you I feel that you had a calling in this particular type of field. Um, One thing stands out to me in particular when reading through your biography and what you've done. One thing that I had not heard of was the Albert Einstein Distinguished Educator Fellowship. Tell me a little bit about this and how this impacted your career. Yeah, so the uh, Einstein Fellowship, as we call it for short, because it's a mouthful It was. I just said the full (laughs) thing, and I'm like, tongue twisted. Um, It's a a phenomenal opportunity for teachers, uh, K through 12 teachers, to apply pretty competitive process and go to Washington, D.C. for a year or two to work either in a federal agency or on Capitol Hill and bring the experienced educator's voice to the policy arena, which is desperately needed. So I was able to go from 2000. 11 to 2013 and work with the U.S. Department of Energy. And I spent a bulk of that time really focused on the energy literacy initiative. So I like to tell people that I know more about energy education than anybody else in the world. But I think that there's not a lot of people vying for that title. So you should take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> hey, somebody needs to. I mean, I'm not taking that with a grain of salt. You're probably someone in the leading field to help us educate other people about that. So 
Absolutely. I And I love energy stuff. So my visits to nuclear power plants, I think, are kind of an indicator of that. And of course, my background is in physics. So that ties into a lot of the energy stuff as well. But yeah, so two years in Washington, D.C., working with um, the Department of Energy. And then that kind of set me up when I was finished, although they really prefer for teachers to go back to the classroom. Um, I, I leveraged that position and, and came here to Tucson and took on the STEM coordinator position for the county. So uh, I think the impact I'm having now is bigger than if I had gone back to the classroom. And to me, that's really important. I really miss students. Like I'd rather be back in the classroom working directly with students. But I think working with teachers impacts far, far more students than I could ever impact just being in my own classroom. I, I couldn't agree more. And I have to say, I am very impressed. And I know you're influencing teachers, but your career path is impressive. Would you, has there been anybody that's maybe influenced you, a mentor that you've taken on? Yeah, I'll say, you know, my um, professors from my small little college in Cedar Rapids. So I went to Co College, C O E. It's not like Co College, but like a real college. Uh, <laughs> it's named okay. after Daniel. Shout Co. out. Yeah. Right, shout out to Co uh, College. But my professors, my physics professors there, it was a small program and they got me involved in research right away. And that was a big turning point for me to really focus on physics. But they, uh, over the years, have been incredibly supportive. So, uh, when I finished my bachelor's degree in, in physics and came here to the University of Arizona, I thought I was going to get a Ph.D. in optical science. And then that did not work out for a variety of reasons, including a car accident I was in. So then they advised me about, you know, what would my next steps be and helped me uh, understand that changing my path was going to be okay. <laughs> and then I went back to teaching. So uh, originally I was going to double major in physics and education, and then I wound up just focusing on physics as an undergrad. But then uh, I got my master's in teaching after I uh, you know, took this new path, and that led me into something like, like you were saying that I really feel like I'm meant to do. Like I love teaching. I love teaching students. I love teaching teachers. And I love just sharing about nerdy stuff. <laughs> nerdy. So you're you're a Big Bang Theory fan. I do like it for sure. Uh, <laughs> definitely. I think I laugh at, at more things than other people do. but Because um... you might get some of the things that are behind <laughs> it. And we're just like, what was that? Like, the only reason I was able to kind of pronounce that um, Hadron Collider was, I think it was on one of the Big Bang Theory. Oh, I'm like, sure. Yeah episodes it is basically physics mecca so it's like the largest machine ever made by people to study physics and so it's a very cool place i might actually have to try to visit and you say it's underground so the detectors are underground so the the ring that accelerates the protons is 90 meters underground and then there's various detectors on both the swiss side and the french side so the ring goes on in across both countries on the border just I'm going to have to. Oh, it's incredible. You're going to have to help me brush up on my <laughs> physics. Um, so I have to say, obviously, very impressed. And I do know change can be scary, but having those mentors in place and somebody that we can lean on and I think confide in is very important. And I think, in a way, that's what you're doing for these teachers is you're kind of providing that mentorship and leaning and teaching them. So in a way, you are teaching again. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I still consider myself a teacher, uh, but it is it is definitely different working with, with teachers. But I think the work that we do with them is critically important for sure. So I couldn't agree more. Let's just dive in. Tell me, what is this amazing project and how did it get started? 
so when I was hired here to be the STEM coordinator, the county superintendent at the time, Dr. Arzumanian, had not had a STEM coordinator. So that was good for me, although I think daunting for some people, but coming in with a completely blank slate and just knowing that I got to build something that didn't exist was awesome for me. So I love that freedom. Um, and so five and a half-ish years ago, I started the Stamazing Project, or I like to say I made it up. Um, <laughs> and Stamazing is such a great name for Arizona because it's Stamazing. Yeah, like, so great. Um, and so we were really looking for ways that we could support educators and help them do a better job of teaching science, technology, engineering, and math. And that started just... That's where STEM comes from. I'm sorry, exactly. I did not mean to interrupt you, but I, there's a lot of people out there that are probably like, what does this STEM stand for? Yeah. So say that again for I everybody. I think we're getting over the like stem cells from biology stuff, but exactly. si science, technology, engineering, and math, that's okay. where STEM comes from. Did not mean to interrupt you, but no I wanted worries. to let everybody yeah. understand what that was. I know we didn't call that out, but it's amazing. Go ahead. Five and, and a half years ago. Yeah. So we started out by just providing professional development workshops to teachers. Uh, and always providing them in those workshops with the equipment and supplies they need to actually go and implement everything that they're learning. And that's very different from most professional development workshops. So you might see things that other teachers are doing, but it's torture if you don't actually get the equipment and supplies so you can actually go and do that with your students. Because especially here where we're hyper underfunding education, they're unlikely to have access to those resources if we don't provide them to them. And then we had about three years ago the opportunity to expand and uh, build this amazing teacher leader program. And so after a pilot and working with some teachers and showing that we could use classroom educators, train them to lead from the classroom, and then design and facilitate their own professional development workshops under our, our model for their peers, now we've had three cohorts um, funded by the Thomas R. Brown Family Foundation that have really provided amazing workshops for their peers and gone oh way God. beyond just the the impact of providing those workshops. They go back and impact their schools and their districts and push to really improve science education and, and STEM education across the board. It's amazing. They've won lots of great awards, our teacher leaders, and continue to be rock stars. That's wonderful. And we can take a little bit of credit for that. I mean, I will also say they're, they're pretty amazing educators who have applied and got into our program to begin with. So they were on a path of, of success initially, but it's amazing to be able to support them and, and hold them a little bit higher through our program. That is just wonderful. And I know you... You mentioned the underfunding for a lot of our teachers that are here, and I hear that throughout not just Arizona, throughout the country. It seems like there sure. is a lack of underfunding for education. How do you fund this project? <laughs> I mean, I, let's Begging. just be honest. <laughs> that you do a lot. You do a lot in your role because you, you're you're asking other companies and for grants yeah. and things to help fund this. So, what is it? How do you get? Yeah. So in, initially it started. Um, so the county pays my salary, but they don't pay for any of the workshops that we do or any of the programs that we do. So I've always had to find ways to fund the workshops, which we also try to keep very inexpensive for teachers or even free sometimes. And so teachers might pay $25 for a full day workshop, but they're getting breakfast, lunch, full day training, and at least $50 worth of equipment and supplies for each person. So obviously we're not coming out net ahead by charging <laughs> teachers, right? And that no. would never be what we would want to do. So our our two main, um, well, I guess three main sources of, of funding are 
I work on contract outside of the state and in the state um, presenting at the Smithsonian during the summertime for a week, going back to Idaho to present with Idaho Power, and they pay our office for my time. And that money we use to support teachers here in the programs that we're doing. So that's one source of funding. But a bulk of our funding comes from Tucson Electric Power and the Thomas R. Brown Family Foundation, two phenomenal supporters. So as I said before, uh, the Brown Foundation is funding our teacher leader program. Right. That not only supports the teacher leaders, but also the workshops that they do. Um, and now they're also funding this exciting program we've just started with the Flowing Wells School District, again with teacher leaders there. And then Tucson Electric Power this last year, We've been working with them a little bit over the years, but then this last year, um, they they funded our Amazing Institute. So in June, we have um, five strands. This year, we hope to have six strands, uh, three days each, focused on different topics in STEM. So a couple of robotic strands, school gardens, energy and water in Arizona, critical issues, obviously. Um, yeah. Uh, and those teachers get to come and learn about those topics for three days, experience all of this amazing curriculum that they can do with their students, and then get anywhere from 200 to $600 worth of stuff. So again, they can go back to their classrooms when they come back after the summer and immediately engage their students. Uh, and we're excited that Tucson Electric Power is going to be hosting that workshop again this year as well. So, that is phenomenal. I mean, those are those are the types of partnerships that are going to make or break some type of project like this. And I'm just so happy that we've got some people here in Tucson that are that see that and and want to make that happen. Now, I. How do the teachers find out about your project? I mean, can anybody <laughs> come in? I mean. If I'm a teacher and I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, oh, how, how do I get involved in this and how do we do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the golden recommendation for a teacher, I think, for professional development experiences is a recommendation from another teacher. So uh, typically, <coughs> teachers are signing up for our workshops and then telling their peers, wow, you really need to come to this. It's mm -hmm. great. Um we also, you know, use social media to try to get uh, the word out there. We send information to principals and superintendents. But I think we know what oftentimes happens to those <laughs> things because if these folks are very busy, obviously. Right. Um, <laughs> if it's anything like my office, it's I. Brittany needs to go through all of my emails <laughs> to make sure I'm not missing anything, quite frankly. Yeah, no. So, I mean, it's a constant challenge getting the word out there, what we have to offer and how it works. I will say one strategy we're using right now is offering um, – workshops for free to people who've never teachers who've never been to a workshop before because we know if we can get them there once then they'll become amazing groupies and we'll have them forever right <laughs> so um so I that's love, one you strategy. do have groupies <laughs> oh, <laughs> i've seen some groupies oh, we definitely do oh my goodness now so i have actually had the amazing experience of visiting some of your workshops and no two have ever been the same <laughs> so you always keep it up and you keep it very interesting um how do you keep these teachers coming back? What gets them hooked, do you think? Well, I think there's a couple of uh, qualities of our workshops that bring them back. One, the fact that they're taught by real classroom educators, their That's peers, is, is critically important. So it's not somebody saying, maybe you could do this, or I've never tried it. But So it, this is real classroom teachers saying to their peers, I'm doing this. This is how I'm managing it. This is how I would recommend doing it. Here are ways that you might differentiate it for different age students and so on. Then also, 
you know, I mean, it seems obvious, but we treat educators like the professionals that they are, which is not always happening today. And so we say to them, hey, we're showing you some really great things that you can do with your students. And during our workshops, we give them time. We call it digestion time. So they've just done a chunk of stuff. And then we say, all right, take some time to just write down and think about how are you, how is this going to play out in your learning space? What are yeah. you going to do with it? Because not all of the teachers that come to your workshop are going to be kindergarten or first grade. I mean, sure. you have eighth graders, which definitely learn at a different level than <laughs> kindergartners, correct? If, um, yeah, yeah. No, well, and, and it's really unbelievable to some people that we can offer a workshop to pre-K through eighth grade teachers and have them all in the same room and everybody leaves happy and excited about what they've seen because that's a huge age range, right? Huge. But again, if we say to those professional educators, you're going to figure it out. You figure out how to make it work and what you're going to do with it. And we give them supplies so they can try things out. That's the secret to our success. I think you have gotten onto something and I, I can only see things going in the future the one thing I did hear, you know, mm-hmm. your, your teachers are being charged for these workshops. And um, in my experience, they're also dedicating their personal time, either during the time when they're going to be paid during the week, they have to take time off, or they're dedicating their weekends. Um, I guess it just baffles my mind that we as a, a community don't come behind them and say, okay, you're trying to develop yourselves. Let's Let's help you do that. Are there any places out there that they can go to that might be able to say, okay, hey, I know you're taking your time. Let's dedicate it. Let's dedicate that to you. Yeah. I mean, I think when we, we ask teachers, are they paying for the workshops themselves? And um, we, it's about half. Half of them are paying for themselves. And sometimes, you know, they don't ask their school or district because they just assume there won't be any funding for it because that's oh. been kind of the norm. Um, and sometimes they have asked and the answer has been no. Um, but I do, yeah, I do find it awesome that teachers are willing to give up, um, time either during the week or on the weekend. And I think folks that aren't educators don't understand necessarily the, how difficult it is to be gone during the week from your classroom, making sub plans and basically leaving somebody directions for what they're going to do all. It's a lot of work. It's extra work on top of taking the time off that they may or may not be getting paid for and then taking the time to develop themselves. So they have to set a lesson plan for that sub. That sub doesn't set the lesson plan. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, And we see everything from teachers who are taking personal time to come to teachers that are supported by their school and district with professional leave. And again, that just varies dramatically depending on their situations. And I also think that a big reason that this has been so successful is you yourself used to be a teacher. Absolutely. So you can empathize empathize with what they're going through and um, what they're doing. And you're right, they are professionals. And in my opinion, they're overworked and underpaid for what they do. They, They literally see our children for much of their awake time we see them for maybe the mornings and the evenings and then they're asleep (laughs) absolutely yeah I mean it's incredible how dedicated educators are and how underappreciated they are and I usually say you know we do a lot to help them with doing a better job of teaching new stem stuff but the biggest service I think we provide is just a morale boost to educators because they do come to our workshops and have a lot of fun they learn a lot and then they leave really enthusiastic to get back to their classrooms and their students to to show off what they have and I've seen that firsthand they're all excited (laughs) I see like I think the one that really stands out is when you are making those microscopes with like paper clips and those um oh yeah 
yeah, with the with the lenses from the yes, laser pointers. That's it. Yeah, those are incredible. So that's how you turn your cell phone into a low powered microscope for ten cents, which so is really cool. That's the part of the the thing that I I think also keeps the teachers coming back because a it's low cost to them. B they can work it. What's it called? Um, hashtag stem on the cheap. Okay, stem <laughs> on the cheap. Tell us about some of those. Those are amazing. Yeah. So we're always looking for awesome ways that we can make stem lessons and activities more accessible and in order to make them accessible they can't cost a lot of money for for all those reasons that we were talking about before with funding and also I would argue sometimes it's a richer learning experience to try to engage students with low-cost materials because then it also opens up the door for them to imagine what they might be able to do with low-cost materials as well so uh, yeah some of our favorite hacks I will say we do a journal hack where we create a book using no tape or staples just scissors and paper it's an old book binding technique that's really cool um, the macro lens hack turning your cell phone into a low-powered microscope for 10 cents is wickedly popular and you can take like with my cell phone in this lens I've taken a photo of a cockroach's eyeball and zoomed in on it and you can see the hexagonal lenses in the cockroach eyeball it was dead at the time don't worry <laughs> <laughs> she saw my face it's like wait a minute she got up close and personal with the cockroach and just prior to doing this we were just talking about how my son got a mass Madagascar hissing cockroach for a pet I was like oh my goodness I did not expect that but hey it could be worse they're great <laughs> um, how and about then, you want to take it home <laughs> no, no thank you <laughs> um, okay. and then we have other hacks where um, just last night actually I was showing some pre-service teachers in a methods class for NAU um, how you can hack a game so this game that costs 30 40 dollars I can show you how to hack it or make a version of it for just the cost of photocopies now why is that important well not every student has played board games these days for a variety of reasons. Either they don't have them at home or they're just playing digital games. And so being able to open up the door to a game that I can print off for students and let them take home with them is really cool. Um, and so that's a fun one. And we have a few games that we've hacked. There's one that I can hack for $2 that has 108 pieces. And for $2, I can make all 108 pieces. And also, um, I think our version's cooler because it has really cool shapes that go along with it. So those are some of the hacks that we've done that are pretty fun and interesting. Or taking apart a vibrating uh, toothbrush from the dollar store and turning it into a, um, a rattle bot. So a rattle robot, really amazing stuff. <laughs> I'm sitting here in awe. My mouth is down. Like, she can do all of this stuff for $2. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm trying to go through my grocery list. And all of the stuff that's on my grocery list is more than $2, <laughs> except for the head of lettuce. But I'm like, oh, my goodness. So not only are you helping the teachers do it on the cheap, um, because many of our school systems don't have the funding for some of these high-powered tools like microscopes sure. and things like that. So this does help them, especially through pre-K through 8. So not only are you helping the teachers, you're also helping the schools um, because you're providing the tools that, you know, are so very needed for the STEM, for the STEM uh, classes. Absolutely. So now... I can honestly say, I'm thinking in my head right now, I'm going through, she's the modern day MacGyver. <laughs> like, are so, you not? In, in some ways, like, like the STEM MacGyver, for the sure. The STEM MacGyver, right? You're the STEM MacGyver. I'm like, she's like making robots out of toothbrushes. And I'm over here going, what am I, like, I, no, I'm not that talented. So I couldn't, I don't think that way. I'm more of a, I guess, an insurance provider, obviously. <laughs> but I'm, I'm amazed. I'm just amazed. So we're going to move on. Um. So 
Now I see why she has groupies. <laughs> it's a stem MacGyver. That's gonna be. I'm gonna put that yeah. hashtag stem MacGyver on my website and just have a picture <laughs> to you and your link going to it. It just baffles my mind. I forgot about the toothbrush. No wonder you have. Groupies. Well, and don't forget my favorite physics trick, which I basically wear all the time. Right. So the ring and chain necklace that we show everyone. Oh yeah, the really gravity cool. and the physics. Indeed. Oh. So that's one of my favorites, and uh, it's just amazing to be able to show people a little bit of physics and blow their mind with something that looks like magic, and then explain the physics behind what's going on. We'll have to show Mark here afterwards. Oh, absolutely. We, I always bring it's Mark shocking into... shocking that I didn't show him to begin I was, with. <laughs> I was wondering if you did or not, but okay. So we're going to move on. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Connecting Tucson with Jamie, where we focus on connecting our community and local businesses. As your local business professional insurance and a small business owner myself, I know how important it is to make new and lasting connections in our community. If you're a small business owner or involved in a community project and you want to be featured on the show, please feel free to give me a call or click on our website. All of my information is on TucsonBusinessRadioX.com. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Danelle Hogan, director of this amazing project for the office of the Pima County School Superintendent in in Tucson, where she is teaching teachers how to best engage pre-K through eighth graders and students using STEM content. On the cheap, by the way. Yeah. And <laughs> she's the STEM MacGyver. MacGyver. What was that? STEM again? MacGyver. That's STEM what MacGyver. We All right. I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> All right. There we go. So now I know you have a new project or program that you've just started with the Flowing Wells Unified School District. Yeah, we're super excited about Tell this. Tell us about that. So Arizona has new state science standards that were just adopted uh, late in 2018. And um, everybody's really trying to think about how are they going to shift their science instruction to really meet, you know, teach these new standards because it's very different from the old standards. The old standards were um, written so that they could be multiple choice testable, which means they were flawed from the beginning because science isn't multiple choice testable. That's not how it works. I wish I would have passed <laughs> science so much easier. And so, <laughs> and so really it's about having students do science and learn about the process of doing science and, and becoming critical thinkers and problem solvers through those practices. Uh, and so it's a big shift for teachers to make. And there's kind of a three-year um graduation plan yeah Yeah. so minimum next year uh districts really need to be shifting k through three uh grade five and nine to the new standards and then over the next three years those students will be exposed to the new standards and then get a test that's across that whole grade band so our flowing wells project really stemmed from connections as as always so um Again, connecting Tucson. Exactly. There we go. So uh, Shalane Simmons at Raytheon actually uh, was talking with Anna Heyer, who's from the Flowing Wells Unified School District, their science curriculum specialist. And she said, well, you'll have to connect with Danelle if you want to do something with STEM because she's she's the one that's doing that in southern Arizona. Uh, And so Anna and I met and talked and I think I think Anna actually dreams even bigger than I do which is pretty shocking because I have lots of you know I'm gonna have to meet Anna you should you would love her um and so and it started off with just kind of being a small stem project that we might collaborate on together to growing into this idea of can we have teacher leaders across the entire grade range, pre-K to 12th grade in the Flowing Wells School District, and really push them far ahead of other districts in implementing the new science standards. And that's all well and good, but you have to fund a project like that. (laughs) And it's a pretty expensive project. So um, 
through a series of uh, events, I mentioned it to our um, contact, Bobby Shore at the Brown Foundation, and she said, I think we would really be interested in, in looking at this project, especially after having funded our, our initial teacher leader program for three say, years. They've, they've, they've funded it for the past three years. Yeah. Um, so they funded this general um, teacher leader program that brings teachers from all over southern Arizona to work with us. And now this one is different because it's focused on one district. Yeah. yeah. Which is great because really if you want to systemically change a place, you have to work at that level. You have to work across the entire district. So we've just started. We have 20 teachers in this program. 20? Yeah. Oh, my. Um, and again, from pre-K to 12th grade. And um, those teachers will be engaging with us for six program days this semester. Uh, and then designing workshops. And every single teacher... Uh, that teaches science in all of the Flowing Oil School District will be involved in professional development that their peers have put on for them. And it will literally impact every single student in the Flowing Wells School District, which I just, when I say it out loud, I can't help but smile because it's just you, amazing to me. It's amazing that you've got something like that. I, I know it's only one school district, and hopefully it's going to teeter into other school districts coming up, and I can't, it just makes me so happy and proud that we're doing something like this because I don't think like the science technology and the math courses have that much that focus on them right now and I think that that is important as a country that we need to be focusing more on those types of projects here Absolutely. with our kids getting them delved into that versus the art I, I don't there's nothing wrong with the arts but they already have so much of that put into their face on media through like social media and media and gaming and everything that's there, they see the arts on a daily basis. They don't always see the science and the technology and the yeah. engineering and the math and how that could make a huge impact in the future for us. Yeah, and we'd like them to see the connections between the science, technology, engineering, and math and the stuff that they love in the arts too, right? There so, can be connections, and yeah. they don't see that. Like yeah. there's com computer engineering going in and doing some programming and some other things. So Absolutely. I, I just want to see somebody make that connection. I like to see the light bulb go off, and I know you like to see that light yeah. bulb go off. That just makes everybody's day. Yeah, and we oftentimes get asked about why aren't we a STEAM program instead of a STEM program, and so STEAM adds the arts, arts into, into STEM. It, yes. And I, and I love this question, actually, because um, we love to connect the arts, but as you were saying, only when it's a rich, deep connection. I think sometimes there's really superficial connections made, and then it you know, students can see through a superficial connection. It doesn't really... They are really, smart. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So we have some great workshops where we do make really awesome connections. One of my favorites is called the Real Primary Colors, which are not red, yellow, and blue. In you fact. told me about this one. <laughs> I'm like, what is it? Red, yellow, and blue? You're like, no, it's... I'm not going to... It's cyan, say it's yellow, and magenta if you're talking about paint or pigments, and it's red, green, and blue if you're talking about light. So in fact, there's two answers. So you know if somebody knows uh, this science, if when you ask them what are the primary colors, they ask you a question and say, are you talking about paints or are you talking about light? Because the answer is different, but beautifully connected if you teach it correctly. Ugh. I'm going to have to come to one of those classes and just kind of get <laughs> Oh, my you head. would love it. We have a cool light show that we do where you get colored shadows, and it's amazing. <laughs> and you're like, is this cyan? or is this <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You do get a cyan, magenta, and yellow shadow when you do this light show. Oh, my goodness. And that's another thing we've hacked. So I can spend $60 to get these floodlights in order to do the light show, or I can do a small version of it with a paper circuit for a couple bucks, which is great. Uh, this 
the stem MacGyver. MacGyver. Stem MacGyver is what we're going to call you. So I am just, you'll have to keep me posted on this project and see if where the developments are. Yeah, we're and excited. And it's a two-year project, I should say. So by the end of those two years, they'll have 40 teachers that are in our teacher leader, been, that have been through our teacher leader program. And um, really, we're, we're evaluating the impact that it has on the teachers as well as the students in that district. And we're super excited to see the impacts that we'll have. So when you say you're evaluating, how, how are you going to evaluate that? Yeah, so we have an outside evaluator, um, Sandlin Buxner from the University of Arizona, and she's looking at everything from um, students' perception of um, STEM and STEM careers, as well as the teachers and their pedagogical and, and uh, content knowledge associated with STEM stuff. Um, so there's there's a lot that we'll have to kind of report on the impacts that it's had on the teachers and the students, for sure. So alongside with this new teacher leader program that you have with the Flowing Well School District, where do you see Stemazing as a whole, the Stemazing product, heading in the next few years? Well, there's one of me. <laughs> there's one of me, and I do have to sleep. Uh, so, well, <laughs> there are things you can do to keep yourself awake, but I'm not sure you can sustain that <laughs> right. on a long-term basis. For sure. <laughs> Um, you know, we just want to continue to build capacity with our teacher leaders. So while while there is just one of me, we are now building this cadre of teacher leaders who are super talented and can provide PD to their peers. And then it's a matter of finding support so that they can design and, and facilitate more workshops for their peers to empower them as well. So I think that's definitely an avenue that we're, ha that we're heading in. We have some really cool partnerships that we've been developing and establishing that are fun. So one is with Microbrick, a company out of Australia um, that has these Edison robots. I think you've been to some of those workshops we're doing. I have. Robots. And I was just about to say, I loved that workshop. Yeah. Well, and the one that you're coming to in March is also an Edison workshop. And I have to thank you while we're here to say, <laughs> you know, you're you're providing us with um, lunches and breakfast for teachers when we're having robot roundups and workshops. And that support um, from you and farmers is critically important for our teachers because that then frees up funding so that we can get them even more stuff to go back to their classroom. So that kind of partnership for us is also critically important. I think sometimes people feel like their support has to be really massive in order for it to make a difference. And every bit helps, especially when we're doing STEM on the cheap because with a little bit of funding, we can actually get a lot of stuff for teachers. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, you're welcome. It's the least that I can do. It's one one way I can help. But you mentioned support. How can the community or if somebody says, hey, this sounds like a project, I really want to help, how can they help? What can they do to support? They can certainly reach out. Uh, we're starting to establish a, a fund with the Arizona Science Teachers Association so that people can give directly to a fund for this amazing project through that 501c3 because obviously we're at the county superintendent's office, so we're not technically a nonprofit, even though right. we are because we're the government, but but that partnership with the Arizona Science Teachers Association will allow us to really let people um, give donations, whether they're small, like $25 to support some of those registration fees for teachers or larger um, to support full workshops. So um, reaching out and then seeing also 
Um, there are other ways that businesses and partners have supported us with space, so classroom space. We have at times um, used the Treeing Lab at the University of Arizona for our institute. Tucson Electric Power has hosted us numerous times, especially when they're sponsoring a workshop, to be able to host that in their place of business. And then we love to bring for lunch some of their employees down to interact with the teachers and show the range of careers that people have at TEP because it's not just linemen and, and scientists. And, I mean, there's a, they have a load of different kinds of careers there. Yeah, it's not – they have from technical all the way down to blue-collar to Absolutely. sales and marketing. It's just a range. Everything, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there, I think there's lots of ways that that people can support us. And it's not always necessarily funding, but um, but certainly we wouldn't turn that away. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. So is that um, project up yet? Is there is that it will be by the end of this month. So okay. um, we do a lot of work already with Sarah Torres, the executive director of the Arizona Science Teachers Association. So it's just a matter of getting that agreement in place and then establishing um, how we'll how we'll be working together on projects, but we already do a ton of work together. She's really co-designed our teacher leader program, and I've mentored in the teacher leader program that the Arizona Science Teachers Association has. We also work together on a symposium at Biosphere Two in the summertime that the Arizona Science Teachers Association puts on. So we are we have a ton of of work going on collaboratively. Well, I am just excited. So when that comes up, you're going to have to let me know so I can also put that on my site so I can get the word out because, you know, I love supporting our teachers and everything that we can do with them. So thank you again for letting us know about that. Now, there is one question. I know we've mentioned underfunding and some other things, but if you had the ear of our legislators, what would you share about our classroom educators? First of all, I would just share with them how incredibly dedicated our teachers are and how hard they're working. Um, and how critically important it is to to work on increasing their salaries. We're really um, at the bottom of the list when it comes to paying teachers. And you know, from Phoenix to Tucson, we know we know from Tucson Values teachers that our our teachers are getting paid on average nine thousand dollars less just in that short di- distance, which is crazy to imagine. So you know, just I would really want to communicate to our legislators how important it is to actually work on this issue and 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 find a way to provide more funding for educators. Do you think any of our um I would say our legislators have they have they gone one-on-one with our teachers into their classrooms and see what they're working with? I'm I'm sure some of them have, but every one of them needs to do that. I think once you've been in a classroom and you can see firsthand how hard teachers are working, the kinds of situations that they're working in at times, especially, I mean, it's not just teacher salaries. It's, you know, funds to, to maintain buildings and make desperately needed improvements to those buildings and on and on. Um, and then the lack of resources. You know, you mentioned that I was in Liberia, West Africa a couple summers ago. And one shocking reality is that teachers here in Arizona are literally asking for the same kinds of supplies and materials that teachers in Liberia, West Africa are asking for. So if you give teachers here in Arizona uh, 12 meter sticks, sometimes it, it almost brings them to tears because they're like, I get to keep all 12 meter sticks. They might not have any. So how, how is it that you're doing science, technology, engineering, and math, and you don't have measuring devices, the, the most basic measuring devices in your classroom? You might have one meter stick for your whole classroom. So you know, and that's the kind of frustrating part of the funding issue that we're dealing with on a daily basis. 
and it needs to be remedied. I think that when people hear this and they hear that, man, there's there's the small things. They don't need microscopes. They need small things like meter sticks and um, at some point pencils and some other yeah. things just in the classroom to help them do their job because their students aren't always coming in with the tools. that The parents themselves obviously can't sometimes afford it. There's some schools that... And they're assuming that the classroom is, I think, at many times. And here's my call out to local businesses is reach out to a school and see what they may or may not need and see if there's some just tools and resources that you can give and donate. Um, If you're interested in finding out if there's a school near you that can do that, maybe they could reach out to you. (laughs) Um, And I would tell everybody that's listening, go to Tucson Business Radio X Click on Connecting Tucson with Jamie. You're going to see Danelle's lovely picture there and the social media links and links to get a hold of her as well as a phone number. Please just do your part. Help our teachers out. Help our community. Um, It's the small things that I find that can sometimes help. I can't do a lot. I don't have a lot of money, but there are some things that I can do by rounding up, and I'm sure that you can as well. So I'm really excited to see about this new (laughs) chapter and this partnership for the donation piece in particular, as well as the Flowing Wells Unified School District Project. So you're going to have to come on in the next year and let us know how this is going. Absolutely. And give us some updates. that's pretty much all we have here. So that's Connecting Tucson with Jamie here at Stuart Title Studios. Again, if you like the show, please let us know and please go check out our website. Danelle, are there, is there anything that you would like to let our listeners know? I would just say, you know, definitely uh, communicate to your children, your grandchildren, everybody that you know how awesome and exciting science, technology, engineering, and math <laughs> is because it takes everybody showing how enthusiastic they are about it and not demonstrating a fear of it or a loathing of it because it really is awesome and if we want our children to change the world and make it better they have to be excited about going into these fields to solve problems for sure. I know it can be intimidating because I was intimidated (laughs) by it but just going in and learning the little bit that I did when I was with your classes um, I can I'm pumped to see this project just soar. So thank you again for being on. We'll make sure that all the links are on there, like I said. And I can't wait to have you come back on. And thank you so much, Danelle. Thank you, Jamie. We really appreciate your support. And I can't tell you enough how much it means to us to have you come in and see the workshops and thank the teachers personally. All right. Well, that's all we have today. And as always, stay out there making new connections, everybody. Get out of your comfort zone. I'll see you next month. (laughs) 